you're not supposed to know what TV show goes with what movie and, or how a single line of dialogue can pick up your attention. You're not expected to know what's going to clash with what's coming next on the podcast or how your ears are going to bleed when you hear this dialogue. Misinformation, you get so much attention and so much praise for what you actually do, and all of it's deserved. When you go on a podcast and get recommended something you didn't like, how hard it would it be to say, that's not me. That's a woman named Alice who's been working with me since the first day. It's Alice who picks the Aaron Sorkin media every week, and without Alice, I wouldn't know a Sorkinism from a hole in the ground. Do you have any idea how much that would have meant to her? Do you have any idea how many times she would have that tape for her wife and her cat? Hi, welcome to It's Not a Hate Watch. Um, I'm Alice. I'm joined, as always, by Missy Information. Alice, you're right. I'm sorry. I could have done more to let people know how much you love Sports Night, and you were the one that brought this to me. You know, granted, we hadn't recorded anything yet, but still, I could have, you know, in the lead-up to it, just told everyone in my life, I'm watching Sports Night. Oh, I'm watching Sports Night. Uh, I did tell a few people that I did. Uh, a lot of them remembered vaguely what it was by prompting this is not a series i was familiar with by content i just knew it as a reference sure. point by name i didn't even know it was a sorkin written show until we started doing mm -hmm. this and so i i was very interested to go in this really showed a lot of the sorkinisms yeah. to me especially because this is the second thing he really when, well, it was the second big. This thing is this is the first thing that he has, men. I think, full control over. I mean, like he has full control over a few good men, but in that case, it's not like TV, where TV is very much the writer's domain. Yes, exactly, and so and also in terms of the topics that it raises mm -hmm. and covers, this also has a disaster show. We're going to talk about that. Christmas, yeah. But for me, I was very interested in how. This played less up to me than Studio 60 did. And I don't know if it's just the reference points, if it's the era it's from, you know, if I was just more culturally aware of what was going on around the time of Studio 60 than I am around what was going on necessarily uh, at the time of uh, Sports Night. But still, I am very interested, Alice, first and foremost, for you to go off on your your monologue here on why you love sports tonight, what it means to you, because I know this was something that you brought because you really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. And I still love it. I think it is still my favorite of the Aaron Sorkin works. I know it is, it is very problematic. It has a lot of issues I'm sure we're going to talk about, but um, it was the first thing by Aaron Sorkin that I saw that I recognized. Like I had seen a few good men, but I didn't know that was him until much later. Um, it was just a show that I was watching every week on ABC and I just loved it, and I didn't. I didn't really understand why I loved it. But then over time, I was able to recognize. Okay, no, this is this is the specific writer, Aaron Sorkin. Um, this is his thing. And then and then from there, I got into West Wing. I got into Studio sixty. I got into all the other ones, uh, all the other stuff he's done. But um, yeah, it was just it was just a discovery of like. It was a show on, I don't know, Thursday night or whenever it was that I would just watch every week. And at the end of the first season, it's, it was very much on the bubble of getting canceled or not and feeling like, oh, I would I really hope this show gets a second season because I love it so much. Um, I fell in love with the characters. Like, um, I grew up in a household that didn't really 
do a lot of sports stuff. Like my, my father was into racing, but um, I also lived in Wisconsin in the nineties during like the, the three years, the Packers won to the Super Bowl. So I felt like I was like kind of forced to be around sports. I, I, I think I would have been more of the like ew, sports ball nerd back then. And so the fact that this was about sports didn't, it didn't put me off of it, but it wasn't like I had a natural affinity to the material. I definitely think the, the the television production aspects of it were the thing I really took away from this. And I think this is also where I think a lot of my interest in, you know, the behind the scenes of how, how TV gets made and stuff is was really was really cast. Um, when I watched it as a kid, I obviously identified very strongly with Jeremy being the nerd in, in the in the group. And one of the things I remember really, really appreciating about the show is how in the first episode, he's getting interviewed for the job. And then I, I forget where it is. So either at the end of the first season or it's in the second season, um, Dana says to Natalie, they're talking about potentially having to lay people off. And Dana says, I don't think we could do the show without Jeremy. And it just like shows how indispensable he becomes. And I really, I really, really liked that. I liked that idea. I have, um, I like, I think most of, of teenage America had a crush on Sabrina Lloyd as Natalie, who, you know, not a great character, but she is, she is, she is very charismatic and charming. And I think the two of them together work really well. Um, yeah. And, and so that was, that, that was sports night. It, this is the one that I always come back to, if I start watching clips on YouTube, I'll go down a hole and maybe just watch the first season again. Um, I obviously love West Wing, especially the first two seasons of West Wing, but this is the one that I feel like I can go back to. And I think I think for a lot of Sorkin nerds, this is their inflection point because, like, when I listen to podcasts and they talk about, they make jokes about Aaron Sorkin, especially because his work so much later gets so off the deep end in terms of like like misogyny and and and, and complaining about the internet and modernism and stuff, but. Everyone, people love a sports night reference. People love a sports night reference. Um, it, it, I think it has, it holds a very special place in, in you know, certain kinds of Sorkin fans' heart. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard a sports night reference until you started dropping them. So I have. Well, I you have. have I, I, I do uh, them. I just, you just didn't know they were that. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying is that you have done them. So I've, yeah. I've now become aware of some of them. The storm uh, clouds are gathering. <laughs> I got the call. Yeah, you got the call. Shoe money tonight. Yeah. Now, yeah, so I find it interesting. A lot of the things that you liked about it are the same things that I liked about Studio 60. Sure, So yeah. it is very interesting. And I also, too, the parts that I did enjoy were the television production aspect mm -hmm. parts. Those yeah. were always the most interesting. Mm -hmm. What I found the least interesting was the interpersonal lives of all these people hmm. because it just seemed, like, messy and also, like, I've never been in a place where coworkers have dated as much as these people within the studios, you know, oh, really? have with each other. Yeah, That's I don't know. Um, so it is one of those things where I, I, I am not a fan of a sitcom. Will they? Won't they? Mm. Because the answer is always they will, and whether or not it ends up good or bad is the other part of it. But I don't have any question that at some point Casey and Dana are gonna get back together am I wrong having not seen season two it's unclear at the okay. end of the second season they both in, so in the second season um she is engaged to Gordon um oh she still is yes okay I, I believe 
Maybe, maybe, no, 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 no. At the beginning, no, the second season is, she comes up with this plan that, that because he had, had married his wife very early, he hasn't been on a lot of dates, and she, she, she makes him go on a bunch of dates with random women. He says, like, you have to go on, like, 50 dates before you can, you can date me, which is insane. And so that, that's, like, a contrivance of, like, you know, every week he's on a different date with another girl, and he ends up falling in love with another girl, and Dana gets jealous, and then, um, um and, and then... I think at the very end of the last episode, they the, he puts them back together just because they knew this was the se- the series finale. He knew they weren't going to yeah. get picked up for a third season, and so I think in that way he did. But it, like, it was close. It, it it was not it it this was not I think a typical will they won't they in that there is a lot of ups like they basically do kind of at the end of the first season, and then there's a lot of ups and downs between them. Okay. And had I gone through season two, I think that would have been more apparent. But it just is one of those things where. I, I as a plot point I could couldn't care I could care less no couldn't care less because I you weren't into it that's fine I'm not into it yeah either way um which is just you know my anti-romance stuff we this is very much yeah. established within the the not a hate watch canon I did it not like their chemistry together I will say yeah. that much mm-hmm. I don't think it was because I didn't want them to be together yeah. it was just not interesting to me well the things around it now I found the relationships they had with the other partners sort of interesting knowing yeah. in the back of my head that they probably were doomed but also you you know you never know how long it's going to go out mm. um but i you know i, I found the i i found most of the characters charming but not uh, there were a lot of moments where I knew they're trying to be charming, but they didn't charm me. And there were other moments where they did charm me, but none of them were like annoying or yeah. m- turned me off. It was yeah. just, I think maybe it was strictly coming off so close to Studio 60. I couldn't help but compare the highs that I got from sure. that versus what I was watching this. Um I mean, and I think I think that that's fair. I think I would have hoped that you could compartmentalize that a little, but I also understand we we literally watched them back to back, and you had a much stronger affinity for the material in Studio Sixty, which that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't necessarily doing one for ones, except for the moments where there were sorkinisms. I just started to notice, and then I couldn't mm-hmm. help but you know yeah. do that. But I wasn't like saying. Oh, you know, uh, Matthew Perry did this moment better, or mm-hmm. you know, Harry did this moment better. I think it was really the subject material and how much references. It was like it had the pattern of a joke. Like that was one Sorkinism thing I realized he loves is having mm-hmm. people say stuff fast and repeated and yep. back and forth, or mm-hmm. throw a quick statistic in there mm-hmm. and then another statistic back and then yeah. a third reference beat where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I think these types of jokes I caught in Studio 60, but even with the base sports knowledge I have, which is I played football, I played softball and baseball, so I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gone to every sort of uh, sports game you can, so I know the basic rules of all of them, but it was a lot of names, and mm-hmm. some of them would catch, and a lot of them I wouldn't, and so it would have the pattern and be like, okay, I get this is meant to be ironic because this player probably isn't that bad, but I don't know the name, you know, in the reference by choice, so I'm just having to, like, roll with it. Um, Yeah. And that is, 
but I also like that because I, I like that Sorkin doesn't back down. We've talked about this a lot with his specifics. Like, he mm-hmm. really does do the research. And yeah, he's, he's a nerd. He's a nerd. He, yeah, yeah, and he's a sports nerd specifically. So I get it. Like, mm-hmm. if I was writing, I would drop my own knowledge about mm-hmm. pop culture stuff that is, you know, specific yeah. to me and to maybe 10,000 people who listen to this podcast that I do mm-hmm. or watch this yeah. show that, I, you know, that sort of thing. Um, 10,000 so people? We have 10,000 people? <clears throat> Not this podcast, no. I, I was going to say we, we we need we need some we need some ads if we if we have ten thousand listeners. No, I I couldn't get my mom to download it that many times in a row. All right, fair. Um, I did like the overall arc of the first season. I liked that the stories, for the most part, mm-hmm. had a nice. But in knowing what we had going into a season two, you know what we had to leave on the table. But yeah. I liked Jeremy and Natalie probably mm-hmm. the most. I think their relationship was the most interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I liked the partnership between Casey and Dan, Dan and yep. how much they have each other's backs, especially, mm-hmm. um, even though they have some differences. It didn't feel like it had that strong of an odd couple vibe. No, you know, no. I wish they're, 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 they're yeah. They're they are, they are like, simpato, yeah, if you told me they were brothers, I could believe it because yes. they're, they're, like they had a lot in the, the same. They had diff- They had some differences. Dan's a little more stubborn. Casey's is a little more aloof. Thinks he knows things, and and so on. And yeah, I will say, uh, sports night. The punchlines are a lot better written than that of uh, the yeah. weekend update parody within Studio Sixty. I mean, which is it, funny it, because it, I saw Mark McKinney as a, a credit on some of these episodes as well. Oh wait, really? Uh, That's interesting. I believe huh. so. Yes, and I so it was funny that he also talked about writing the skits for Studio Sixty and just, in our opinion, the drasticness difference, yeah. the drastic difference between mm-hmm. the quality of them. But yeah. yeah, so that uh, that was parts of what I liked as well. Mm-hmm. It, well, so, so sports night, w- sports night was a comedy. That was the intention yes. initially. It's a 30-minute show, so it's a comedy by default, but it was meant to be funny, and like thus the laugh track in the first f- few episodes, which, thank God, they eventually get rid of, but yeah. yeah. I did find tonally it very odd when it turned into a on a very special sports sure, night yeah. moment, yeah. which is not them saying I can't you know, handle heavy topics, but it is just there are no jokes for a while. Like We mm-hmm. are just dealing with heavy tension, heavy drama, you know, the likes of which are comparable to, like, Studio 60, which was billed more as a drama than it was a comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so for me, which, you know, but again, Studio 60, I found funny. Um, I, so that was, that I don't feel like was as well treated or handled as Studio 60 or even, like, the social network, even though, you know, that one, I, it, 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 rubbed me the wrong way in the way that I knew it was meant to. Some of the things in here just didn't feel like it landed with me. And maybe it's okay. because I'm watching so much of this in a row or, you know, that I'm just sort of like, if I had a little bit more space time out, it would be like, oh, it wouldn't feel like these are coming back to back. And it's like, oh, well, we well have another yeah, yeah. very happy yeah. moment, you know, right, that right. we're dealing with. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of the, the, the stuff like, like um, there's Dan's stuff regarding race there's the um luther Sachs, six gentlemen of T- tennessee yeah. there's the stuff that happens in natalie um yes the there's yeah. there's sort of the um the affair is handled a little very oh, yeah. much like there are some moments where it's very heavy um you're and... wearing my shirt gordon Yes, that one. Oh, that one actually did catch me off guard. Yeah, it's uh, fucking good, right? It's that's a good one. 
Um, and I love I love that Ted McGinty was in a show that didn't get canceled because he was on it. It lasted one whole season without him, so his hey, curse didn't strike it. Uh, t- um, I may be saying his Ned wrong, Ned wrong, his name wrong, but the actor is who played um, Gordon Gage. Oh, Ted McGinley. Oh. Sorry. Oh, okay, Ted Gordon. Yeah. There is a back in the day of Jump mm-hmm. the Shark. Dot com there was a thing yeah, called yeah. the Ted oh, McGinley curse which mm. was shows that he would appear on or be added into mm-hmm. would be canceled after like a season or yep. yeah. a season or two whatever you know it's yeah. I think I think Eliza Dushku also had that as well yes so, like yeah that. so yeah. I've been aware of him through that early you know mm-hmm. memeage um yeah of it on there but I really liked him in this uh okay this is the thing is that when I step back he and plays talk a very not likable character yeah that's what I meant. He played a not likable character very well. and uh-huh. But I still understood, like, the charm of him and why Dana yeah, would yeah. like him. Because he wasn't, like, he played a sleazebag uh-huh. that isn't a total, he wasn't, like, oozing, yeah. you know, like, oh, I'm a sleazebag. It yeah. was just more of, like, that bro culture sort of thing mm-hmm. where, you know, his, um, it's funny mm-hmm. because you could see a different universe where Dan and... Casey would be like bros with him mm-hmm. because eh. he has a lot of the same interests, but it's his but, attitude. Yeah, no, attitude wise, I don't think I don't think they would. It's only the attitude. It's the intro, but it's yeah, he has yeah. all of the same. Right, right, right. But at, this, that's exactly where it comes from. Is their attitude to yes. you know just towards life is very yes. different. This is like when my friend said, "Hey, we should have lunch with my other friend. He also likes video games, and we had lunch, and we had nothing in common." Oh yeah. You know, yeah. when people start and say, hey, you two are gays. You guys should meet each other. And you're like, oh, I mean, we don't have much, you know, in common. But okay. Um, you don't, you don't have to do that with lesbians. Anyways. You don't have to do that with lesbians because they've already dated. Um, hey. hey. Uh, yeah, he's kind of like, like, Gordon is very similar to the Luke character in, in, in Studio 60. Like, like I think the analog is very close there. I think Luke is a little more of an actual asshole, whereas Gordon just can come off as an asshole to people he doesn't like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you you saw you saw Sally, Sally, Sal, big tall blonde haired Sally, right? Yes. There's like I said, a big tall blonde that's a temptress, blonde is, villain. Yep. And is a villain. And yep, I clocked that mm-hmm. right away. I also yep. clocked when I don't remember. I feel like it was early on, but Dana, maybe it's early on of what I was watching yesterday. But early on, there's the scene where um they're dressing up for some party. And oh, then yeah. Dana walks by in like a black dress, and it's like, oh, a blonde in a sexy dress. Another one of his yeah. little things yeah. we threw in there. Which I mean, she mm-hmm. worked at Felicity Hoffman, so like, yes. go girl. Yeah, yeah, um, no, Felicity Hoffman's gorgeous. Um, yeah, I, and then and then and then Casey makes the comment about the Manolo Blahnik shoes, and Dan makes a homophobic mm-hmm. joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the '90s, um, baby. Uh, <laughs> which you know, I just sort of glossed over because, in my sense, I I a lot of times take these things in stride and just mm-hmm. say it is a writer writing a character that yeah. culturally would have done these things. I'm not necessarily saying mm-hmm. it. Like, I don't necessarily think that writers, when they write things, are condoning the actions yeah, yeah, of yeah. their characters. But we yeah, it is to, a little we bit. To, we don't have to dig into that. Okay, that's fine. No, I, but it was. it's just one of those things where I just kind of like, like I'm like, wop, wop. Um, I, I don't know if I've verbalized this yet, but for all of the things that I have liked, I don't know why I didn't like it more. I, that's something too that I was a little confused I mean, by is what my why my reaction mm-hmm. to it was so muted. I mean, I think watching it all in a row, 
honestly hurts because when you watch it week to week, it's something you get to look forward to. It's like it's like a new adventure. The 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 repeatedness, like there are a lot of repeated things in Sorkin shows. Um, yeah. They run into the same kinds of problems, like them dealing with the network and the and the execs. Like I, I had you watch um, one episode of season two because it sounded because you you had indicated you weren't really into it. I said you need to watch Cliff Gardner because like that is like season two in a microcosm is just that. It's like every week, are we gonna get canceled? Is Luther gonna take us off the air? They're sending notes. Is Isaac gonna get fired? And so, um, I definitely think watching it all in one sitting does doesn't help that that aspect of it. Like for me, it's it's it, for me it's reliving the memories of getting to watch it every week and being excited about it. For you, it's just oh, we're doing this again. And mm-hmm. and I and I get that 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 that's fine. Um, I think that. I think that because it is the funniest, like the actual, like I think is actually the funniest of, of Sorkin's shows um, of the three of them. Um, I think, I think West Wing does the drama the best. I think Studio 60 did drama way better than comedy, but, but it was trying to do drama. It, it was trying to be taking these people seriously. Sports Night isn't trying to take these people as seriously. There are, there are times when, when they do, but it is meant to be more sitcom-y. And I think that's why... I like it the most other than it just being the first one I watched. Um, and you know, like, especially the romance of like, if the, if the will, they won't, they isn't going to work for you or is actively toxic to you, then yeah, that's, that's just background radiation. That's going to make you not enjoy it. Yeah. And I think too, um, this was something I became aware of and I maybe mentioned it on a different thing that we have talked about here, mm-hmm. but I also realized that so much of Sorkin's writing, because he has a theatrical background, I'm aware yep. of it and and what is theater pace, theater patter, theater yep. sort of like what, what would play well in a theater and him transferring that to television and yep. having seen so many shows and so many different plays and knowing these, mm-hmm. in my mind it's tricks, a little bit of knowing the... Yeah. the magic behind the curtain because i did also a job where i did scripted readings sure. every month for a year and yeah yeah do script analysis so it's mm-hmm. almost like the the doom of oh i know too much and i'm too aware of it when i realize it and so you're you you've kind of said that to a degree where you notice the similarities and that is true and for me it was also noticing that sort of a lot of if it's the pacing and the dialogue mm-hmm. and the way that you have characters the quickness like the shortness of the quickness of the sentences and how that is meant yep. to convey yeah. a joke or things like that mm-hmm. um every once in a while a joke like that would happen and it, my brain would go oh there's the joke but i didn't necessarily like haha laugh at it and stuff um mm-hmm. so it was hard when those things were like this is well written but i think Casey's the character I like the least, and he's yeah. the main person. So I think I also had a hard time to. It's a very ensemble piece, but he. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it comes back to him because of his um, divorce. Yep. And because of his courtship of Dana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, I think. I think Casey is a not super likable character in the first. Like, he, like obviously, he's meant to be charming and likable. But like, I don't think I related to Casey as much in the first season, especially. Um, and then, and then, in, and then, kind of what happens is because Dana remains engaged to Gordon and not asking it out. That that in the 
like, I think that's meant to make Dana be the bad guy. Like, clearly you see this guy is pining for you. Why don't you do it? And then and then in the second season, when they get together, it fe- like, like, it's one of those things where I think, like, they start making jokes, especially. It's like, when are you two just going to get together? Like, that sort of thing. And it, it's Dana holding it up for the most part in the first in, in the first season. And then in the first part of the second season. And then, and then it's Casey holding it up in the second in the rest of the second season. And Dana kind of feels lost without without him pursuing her for a time like that's part of her journey which is again not great um but yeah i i i don't know i i think that the casey stuff didn't bother me because i loved dana so much as a character and i mm-hmm. and i know that like sorkin's women never have the depth that they need to natalie especially but um i really i really loved um dana she probably was my favorite character i i really appreciated her like like i I identified with i didn't really understand this time identified with her being like a woman in a leading role where people don't trust her or listen to her or they think they know better than her like those sorts of things like like that stuff really played into my psyche in a big way and and yeah and like um i liked that also and this is true for most circus shows like Everyone who's who works there is very good at their jobs, and despite that, they're still not winning. Like they're not the number one rated show, yeah. and so it's both they are experts and they are ex like world class professionals, but also they are underdogs. And I think that is that is something that I like. I I really I love those kinds of stories, and that is the area Sorkin primarily traffics in. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of the conflict comes with people coming to try and change the show, mm-hmm. whether it's. Uh, internally with the network suits or with you know uh sally as the west coast affiliate you know trying to shoe in the entire staff doubling down on no we're good at what we're doing and if we keep doing what we're Mm -hmm. doing then we'll just keep being better which also is the dynamic within studio 60 it is you know they do need to they do know what changes they need to make and they have adversity you know when it comes Mm -hmm. to staff is just there's not nearly as much in yeah. sports night of a staff leavage you know like there was as an entire plot point within studio 60 um but i liked the ensemble and getting to see their dynamic better there mm-hmm. was a little bit of me not knowing 100 what everyone's jobs were at certain points mm. but i more like toward the middle i, I got it more established but it was mm-hmm. definitely early on like I was a few episodes in, and I'm like, I can't remember these people's names. Like I can't remember who all of these characters are. Yeah, I know sort of obviously yeah. their roles and stuff, mm-hmm. um, but it was, it was interesting for me just sort of the how many episodes it took me to get into build up, which is why I didn't utilize the skip list is because I wanted to give it all its due, even though I said at some point yesterday. Uh, in the middle of it, I was like, I kind of regret not doing the skip list. Yeah, also, by yeah. the time I was done, I didn't regret not skipping it. Like, okay. I had nothing yeah. else I was doing. And it wasn't like it was, mm-hmm. again, it, it it wasn't bad enough that I didn't at some point today consider just putting on season two yeah. in, you know, as background. But my friend messaged me and he's doing a CBB re-listen. So I was re-listening alongside of him and that ended mm-hmm. up taking my day. So it was yeah. it was fine with me in the end. That's um, interesting because when uh, when when we were texting about it, you at one point said like I will not be watching season two. Yes, and... I had no plans to before we were going to record, which we ended up but, changing. But you but know, I I, I took that I, I I I interpreted that to mean I don't I hate this. I'm not watching any more of this than I have to. No, I didn't hate it. I was just bored by it. 
Like, I was just bored by sections of it. You also, watched, just sort of like, you, you also watched it all in, like, one day, which I don't think helps. Well, I watched the first six episodes the night before to give a barometer of how am I going to feel about this show in the skip list. And it wasn't... Again, it wasn't bad enough for me to feel like I need to skip any of these. I was I was giving it time to grow and to see where these characters were going, especially mm-hmm. knowing that I had a season two. So it wouldn't be a rushed back half where, you know, like Studio 60, he threw a lot of things at the table mm-hmm. just to sort of like get to some of the stuff he wanted to make points about. And it's like, okay, here we go. At the very end, we're just going to do all these things and make a big three-parter or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it was also interesting not having that aspect of it because every episode was its own little story except for yep. the interconnected personal life stuff mm-hmm. that sort of drove it but it always yeah. was yeah just here's the problem at the station here's the problem with going on you know whether it be a tech mm-hmm. issue a talent issue a yep. staff issue you know all those things but again those a wardrobe were the assistant who's like annoying most... casey in his yes. dressing room yes um i i mean i like that moment a lot I that's uh, actually so so that's Janelle Maloney who then went on to play Donna one of the like best characters in the West Wing same actress oh interesting okay and I'm pretty sure based on this appearance I either he sort of knew her already and it was you know she was like one of one of one of his actors mm-hmm. or she got it off of this appearance but it's the same character I don't have anything to back this up but I, in, in terms of I know some of the people he brought along with him I feel like a lot of the people he saw working in the New York theater scene and mm-hmm. probably was aware of their acting from there because like yeah. and Alice and Janney he was huge in theater before and after mm-hmm. Yeah, being on the West Wing, and so I'm sure that was someone he saw very early mm-hmm. in her career, and maybe clocked and was like, "Oh, you know, let me, you know, find something mm-hmm. for her to do," um, in terms of the West Wing. Yeah. Uh, I was so interested that everyone in this was supposed to be around my age. That it still felt like they were ten years older than I was, and I don't know if that's just yeah. my own like state of being or whatever. But they, it, I mean, I. I think that is that is like '90s Gen X culture versus millennial Gen Z culture. Yeah, I think it was what they cared about. And oh, mm-hmm. a big Sorkin thing that we that we talk about throughout all of these things: the sexiest thing a character can do is be good at their job. Yeah. Or the most important quality that you can do is to be good at your job. You know, it's more important than money. It's more important than power, unless your job Mm -hmm. is to have power. You know, it's the teamwork. It's the loyalty. Mm -hmm. It's the we're a part of one unit. It's the theatrical belief of we're Mm -hmm. all part of one team because the stagehands are no more important than the actors, than the lighting people, which, you know, is very true. Um, mm-hmm. Even if we don't culturally treat it that way, yeah, I yeah find it just so fascinating how much that is, um, not cut and paste, but like is the framework, like you know, the skeletal system of a yeah. lot of the stories that he approaches in all of mm-hmm. there is that yeah. uh, issue. And I mean, I think this this kind of story is the is the platonic ideal of the whole. Mm-hmm. we work together but we're a family we take care of each other we are there for one another like that's that dynamic's bad it's really bad in real life like if, if someone is saying that to you run the fuck away but <laughs> yeah. um but when like the dream of it is what is in this show and i think it's, it's also in studio 60 it's also in the west wing especially um and and, 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 and so it's interesting because a lot of these themes aren't things that were necessarily the the focus in social network, and I think that's why 
it feels so different from this. Like, I think this, if you sanded off the sports and added sketch comedy, is is a is a proto Studio sixty. Um, I think I like like they have more de- they have a lot more in common between that versus Social Network and A Few Good Men or Social Network and Sports Night. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, um, I think some of the I don't know if this is a Sorkin thing or a, you know commentary as you say the way that he writes his women and it's not that great. Yeah, gender dynamic issues that are brought up are yeah. very much the same even in the Social Network. And how the women yeah. are treated and written and the point of view of the men through it. Now, I don't know if we're always supposed to relate to it or not. And how much of that is an ideal versus more of, like, ironic. And that's also, I don't know how much I'm taking it that way from my own way. Mm-hmm. Which is probably part of the reason I also didn't connect to the studio. Or, excuse me. I didn't connect with Sports Night as much as just sort of that work as life sort of thing it felt like which i guess is also studio 60 but for me it felt more like they were doing theater and i get the big commitment when you're doing a theater production you're spending a lot of time and effort you mm-hmm. know into doing it so that didn't yeah. feel near as as dissonant as me as, as sure but sort i of mean that is which is which is it, odd because they're making television still they're yeah. still making television it's just it's just they're making a television show about sports and not about like it's not really about like Studio Sixty is is about the idea of comedy. Like yeah. it's a study of the idea of comedy, not a comedy. Whereas Sports Night isn't really about the idea of sports necessarily. However, if you told me to place a bet on which series would name check Thespis, I would have not bet that it was Sports Night and not yeah. Studio Sixty. Which was uh, we got to briefly mention at least one specific episode, which is the mm-hmm. disaster episode. Uh, I don't know what it's called in. It's called Thespis. It's oh, it's called Thespis. That's right. Um, I when I saw and clocked that it was going to be that, I was giddy. I was so happy. This was my again my favorite episode. Also compared to the other one, I don't know if the turkey and the lights falling down was meant to be a specific reference to WKRP in Cincinnati and the falling turkey bit from that, but I loved it. Probably. I thought it was very funny She's, punchline. She she didn't defrost the turkey. She's got it on the light grid. Yes, it just was so funny to me. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, that was the biggest thing that clued me in and be like, oh, this is so much the proto stuff that he brought into yeah, Studio yeah. 60 mm-hmm. and the themes, you know, even the racial mm-hmm. stuff and making sure to bring that up in a point to it where it was yeah. done in both of these things. I thought mm-hmm. it was more interesting in sports night because yeah. that was a lot more of a prevalent mm-hmm. issue that, you know, probably related mm-hmm. to a lot more people in Americans just in terms of viewership and stuff versus yeah. like how people make jokes in comedy and racial yeah, stuff, yeah. which is like Aaron and Sorkin. I don't mm-hmm. know how much he, uh, you know, you should be talking about this. But again, knowing that there was a black writer on staff for that who wrote that episode, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. treat, uh, treat that a little bit mm-hmm. different. It's just, well, I'm and, curious and, how much and, of that dialogue was, was Aaron Sorkin writing it. That's yeah, yeah, question. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote that all thinking it was okay for him to do that. Yes. But like, yeah, no, on Sportsnet, you have Robert Guillaume, who is like, who is like a television legend. He has yeah. a gravitas to him. He was so and good. And you can, you can do stuff like six gentlemen of six Southern gentlemen of, T- of Tennessee, where he gives yeah. a speech like that. It was, am- it was really good to see. And, um, 
I did not watch Benson growing up or or mm-hmm. soap, so I I had to look at like why does he look familiar? I'm like, oh okay. So you this didn't m- recognize him as Doctor um, Eli Vance from Half Life Episode Two. Oh Half-Life no, I 2, never, Episode Two. I never played any of those. <laughs> It's okay, um, I'm, just, I'm making a joke. It's fine. I, I know, but like, well, but I know voice acting, so I actually maybe am a little bit surprised that I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked him a lot. I thought mm-hmm. he was one of the best performances, and I liked his mm-hmm. character um, the most when he wasn't mm-hmm. on toward the end. Because did he in real life have a stroke? I assume. Yes, he in must real have. life, he in real life he had a stroke, and that's why when he comes back in the last episode, it's a big deal. Yes, um, and uh, I really enjoyed uh his character a lot and even the way they had it written in i felt less clunky than how they wrote the baby delivery hospital off-scene stuff in studio 60 um and i also liked jeremy a lot like you did i related to him the most i feel like that's the most aaron sorkin right in character within this show yeah oh yeah yeah it's 100 percent um and uh which is again sort of the things that he does which are the annoying things that i do like constantly correcting facts mm-hmm. and stuff just because it's everything because it's an yeah. instinct not because i'm trying to be a dick and i can't sometimes you know it can come off that way uh because mm-hmm. it is just a knee-jerk thing but you know yeah the caring about those stuff um i thought that was an interesting parallel with also casey who you know they point out you can remember all of the player names but you can't remember the staff people's names because even yeah. jeremy knows that you know level of information mm-hmm. too on there yeah um and then i found dana very uh interesting a famous Iowan, fictional Iowan. She named up Cedar Rapids growing up there towards yeah. the end. And that, to me, retroactively made her desire to not want to be the boss of the situation make so much more sense. That's a very Iowa humble brag thing to do. Oh, you know, faux humbility. Like, oh, I don't want this leader position that I'm super qualified for. Well, if you insist, sure, I'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I... Uh, I really liked her a lot. Um, and then Dan. I found Dan to be a very a very interesting character. And um, I, although I didn't 100% love all the moves uh, during yeah. the uh, his courtship of... Rebecca. Who did he court? Rebecca. Rebecca. Um, Bobby Bernstein? Bobby Bernstein? <laughs> yes. Um, you know. No, no, no. That's, great, a, but... that's a separate person, but I'm just... Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm just naming I, everything from Sportsnet I can remember. We can have an opportunity to do it again. Um, with a block covered in cheese. Yes. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So it, I just found that really interesting and and good in there. But yeah, I I I don't think I have any more top of the head thoughts on the characters. So I guess it's more if you have more questions for me to probe about what did or didn't interest me how how um what did you think about natalie i found her interesting i liked her positivity i found Mm -hmm. the episode where she's in charge and does it super competently and jeremy is underestimating him to be relatable because sometimes Mm -hmm. i do underestimate my husband only in terms of if he hasn't done something before (laughs) You know, I'm just not as optimistic about people pulling stuff off because I, you know, know my skill range and stuff. And so that's a mm-hmm. bit of projection. But, I, you know, now that I have been with my husband for over a decade, I know now not to do that because mm-hmm. he has, you know, proved himself time and again to be able to teach him so many different skills and pull off amazing projects. This is me coming off of him hosting a art show this last uh, Friday where he made yeah. an entire um, 
fictional museum exhibit based on an empire he created where I was getting comments from all sorts of people saying they had no idea that he had done so much world building within it and the amount of details that went to all of it and stuff. Um, so I, again, it was one of those things where like the characters in this show, they're always constantly showing you not to underestimate them. And I think that's the biggest role that Natalie sometimes plays. Where I didn't like her is what I didn't like with most of the characters, how much it revolves around them wanting Dana and Casey to get together. I just yeah. was like over it. And partly because in real life, if people tell me they are not interested in dating someone, I just say, okay, even if I maybe assume there is some level of interest on their level, I go, well, they're obviously not re ready to express it. And that's fine. You know, so this whole sort of like everyone matchmaking these two together to me, yeah. just seems so unprofessional, but maybe that's just a very modern day view of it versus the work culture that might have been around then, where mm. you, maybe you meet more of your partners at work. Like that was just the oh, thing. Oh yeah, I mean, online every, dating wasn't a thing, you know. Like half the people I work with date someone else who work at the same company because they met them all out on the job, like okay. today. So it still happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I I liked her. Um, I I. It was very interesting very early on to have mm -hmm. the uh, sexual assault uh, yeah. uh, structure line to come in there. I'm mm -hmm. not saying I wish that it came back because I wanted it to really yeah, yeah, yeah. negotiate that. To... But I yeah. was surprised that it just wasn't it wasn't a an issue that came up even, say, between her relationship with her and Jeremy or whatever. But, you know, at the mm -hmm. same point, if, you know, the character has been able to move on from it, that's fine and i'm not gonna you know fault them for it it just was again yeah. very heavily you when i realized oh, okay yeah this show is going to also go there in terms of topics that it's going to deal with yeah. um and again seeing everyone in the show handle it in the appropriate way except for the offender um right. was uh, a good you know see dana have that redemption moment where she first was playing the corporate line and then realized this you know i can't do that to natalie as a person um, mm -hmm. Like, what am I thinking? Um, and that's the interesting thing, too. The number of times that characters make a choice and then immediately or very shortly are like, what am I thinking? I'll totally, you know, realize I'm in the wrong, um, yeah. which I found it's, interesting. It's, it's again, the sort of moral superiority over, like, it's it's Jordan not getting the reality shows, like, like holding up your principles at the cost of success idea. Um I, I, I mean, I love Natalie, but I really do think that, unfortunately, she is very thinly written to be to be Jeremy's love interest primarily. Like, she has her own personality and her own story. I love the partnership between her and Dana. I love her getting more confident, especially in the second season. But it really does feel like she is there for Jeremy to pine after, have something tragic happen to her. Thankfully, it doesn't continue to define her because, like, the other, the, the the bad way that breaks is she is now the one, the, the sexual assault victim who just is only looked at through that light. And so kind of returning to status quo might feel like sweeping it under the rug, but I actually kind of think that's better than, than the alternative. But, like, the, the thing that, the, the thing that, um, is really bad in um, Sorkin's later work, especially the newsroom, is the women are supposed to be smart but are shown to be incompetent. And I think the ending of oh, Shoe Money Tonight is the perfect example of this. Natalie has this blind confidence while Jeremy's like, no, I'm going to take all your money. 
and then she's like, oh, I love you. You're so smart. Like that is that is that is like the kernel of I think the problem with Sorkin's women characters that just gets worse and worse as his career goes on. Okay. Um, and so like so like I love Natalie and I love like you know I've been saying shoe money tonight for for, for a while, but. I also know that 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 the ending of that episode, like that one, really makes me cringe if I watch it again. Yeah, and I think I that critique I apply to a lot of just the characters in general. That it also seemed like the again the actual show was always secondary to the romancing of oh yeah the three primary you know sort of couples yeah. Jeremy and Natalie Casey and you know his triangle. Um, Dan and the in, tri- invisible triangle he had with uh, yes. Rebecca's ex-husband, uh, yes. uh, and that. And so, Yardley yeah, Smith. It, Yardley Smith was the third member of that triangle. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Um, <gasps> so it was really, yeah. So I think that was just the part for me that, uh, again, I'm probably repeating myself by this point. You know a dozen times by now was just the least interesting because it just was so much of being like you know actually dan and rebecca's i found very interesting um but the other two's you know it was like oh two couples very much in love with each other so we're just gonna have a lot of plot lines just detailing how how you know jeremy does grand gestures like sorkin must in his real life do to for him to think of all these complicated things um for women that you know uh and this one thankfully it backfires and he realizes you know Oh, I should have just that. He must have done that once, and it burned him so bad that he's written that into everything he's done. Where a uh, male does a grand gesture, and the woman says no, and it just is like, womp womp. You know, it comes like, why? I wonder why that came off the wrong way, and someone has to teach them why. I'm just trying to think what else I want to talk about. Um, in Shoe Money tonight, um, one of them, I think Casey or Dan, makes the joke that it's the game of kings, and then Dana says, "I think Dana says, no, that's that's horse racing." Um, they have a second poker episode in the second season, and and they go, you know, the game of kings, and he goes, it's still horse racing. That's great. Yeah. Um. The end of the show is them. Oh, we should talk about we should talk about Cliff Gardner a little bit. Um. So one of the things that was interesting was that it was like very transparent in like the the media around the show that when. The network is coming in giving them notes on Sports Night. Those were that was ABC giving Aaron Sorkin notes on Sports Night. Oh yes. Um the most one-for-one write what you know. Yes, exactly. Um also that episode ends with um William H. Macy as Cliff Gardner giving the giving the um the um the Farnsworth glass speech. Tubes. Glass tubes. He he learned how to make glass tubes. That's what I do. I make glass tubes. Um his Sorkin also then Sorkin also then later wrote a play called The Farnsworth Invention, which is also yes. about the creation of television because he fucking loves that shit. Um, they produced that at our local playhouse uh, when yeah. it was came out near when it came out. Yeah, and then what else? Um, yeah, and and um, I think about I think about that thing that he says to to the execs. He says like. Um, if you insult Isaac Jaffe in my presence again, I will spend the rest of my life ruining the rest of yours. Um, if you think I'm joking, ask around about me. Like I, I, I that has that that part of it in the glass tube speech has stuck with me as like, I would love to be able to say that to someone someday because it's like, <laughs> it's like it's so threatening and serious while also not sounding like you know it's not sounding like a violent threat. It's it's it's. 
It's intimidating. It sounds, yeah, it sounds to me someone who knows what obsession is like writing that in and being like, that's one of the most, yeah, like me not not stopping to use my brain power to make machinations against mm-hmm. your, you know, uh, destruction, you know, is a threat. Because again, words and 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 schemes are the most powerful things that exist uh, in the universe, uh, not money. Yeah, uh, I liked William H. Macy's character from what I saw of him. Mm-hmm. That was honestly, the changes and a little bit of tonal changes I felt within that episode is what tempted me to watch season two um because i was just more curious being like well how what changes do they make and stuff but i felt like that episode gave me a pretty good idea within it um what it was does william h macy's character end up being uh an ally to them throughout the show or is there a lot of tension between him and the staff still um just you know in general because of the lack of distrust no after that they he kind of wins their trust his speech at the end is is it does win their trust He's not around a whole lot. There is a little bit of romantic tension between him and Dana, which is great because they're re- real life husband and wife. And oh again, my this god, is... I forgot about that. Yeah, this is also the other reason why you had to watch this because this is Sorkin calling in a favor from his from Felicity Huffman's husband. Oh, that's really funny. Hey, we need. Can we get um, someone who's been in you know some Oscar nominated shit and just yeah. drop him in here? You know, yeah. but he he did feel like a bit of a ringer, which is funny that that mm-hmm. is what his character's yeah. job is. Yes, and but yeah, um, I there isn't too much um more with him after that. Like honestly, kind of that whole plot gets like whether Sports Night gets um canceled or not is a moot point because the last half of the season is about Luther Sachs selling the whole company, oh. and so it's a question of it's a question of will anyone have jobs after that? And then I, I'll just spoil it because I don't think you're gonna watch it. At the end, um, Agent Coulson meets meets Dana at a bar that they start going to in the second season because they they got an additional set and he's he's a he's an eccentric billionaire who's buying the company because he likes sports night and he's and he says if if you can't make money with sports night then it's not worth trying to make money so incredible that he oh my god that it's just this angel investor coming yep. in at the very end and they're the reason like mm-hmm. I mean, what a way to send off your show, though, is to really put them on the highest high. They're they're beloved so much that they save, you know, the company and and their jobs and things like that. Yeah, he says his whole thing is he says he he, he talks about how he says to his team, "Where are we going?" Which in Latin is "Quo Vadimus," which is the name of his company. Yeah. It, um, but yeah, and also played by Clark Gregg, who played Agent Coulson. Yes, I clocked that. He was in again. I saw him in the credits. And I'm like. What does he do in this? Another reason that I thought about watching it. Um, yeah, I I would get... This is not anywhere near the worst things that I've watched. I would hope. Not a hate watch by all. Yeah, I, I want to make that clear. Uh, and I, I've actually, I think I've talked a lot more about the things I liked about it than the things I, I didn't like in comparison to a lot of the other things that we have covered on here. Um but it is, yeah, I think what I found most interesting after I watched it was why I didn't like it more. I was probing that probably more than I needed to. And I think it was just because I had been watched it, you know, at a certain point, you know, when I probably texted you about the skip list and things like that was probably when I was feeling the sameness of it because you watch any show that long in a row you're going to sort of get to know the sameness of it. I mean, that's one of the things I liked about Studio 60 is, is that it did do so many different 
things that I just sometimes couldn't predict the director direction it would go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I would put this definitely in the the ranking system I've been using in uh, Red Shards. I think I'm going to incorporate over here, which is you know top shelf, middle shelf, bottom shelf. This is definitely in the middle shelf, um, which is a nice place to be because it's something that I could pull out again. You know, if given enough time, like I may end up watching season two when I am bored because I I have it ready to go. Uh, yeah. Because in case you had you had uh, instructed me and you gave me a. You gave me a very ominous uh, text response when I said, I'm not sure I'm going to be watching season one or whatever I said. And you said, unless. I'm like, oh, oh, is she going to pick season two? No, I, was, I wasn't going episode? to. I wasn't going to. Okay. I just I just meant that I, you needed to watch Cliff Gardner is all. That's oh, all. that was fine. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I also just I just sent you the skip list for season two if you want to. Season two is less strong than season one, but oh, okay. it's it's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, like, I, like if you're gonna watch it, just watch like two episodes a week or two episodes a day. Don't watch it all in one sitting. I think, but yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's good stuff in there. Good. Oh, the Cut Man Cometh is like the funniest episode of the show. You gotta watch that one. Okay. The I Cut will, Man Cometh. What I will do is we will sprinkle in some sports night updates throughout um, the Sorkin streak. And or, just, or you just have to watch the Cut Man scene on YouTube because it's so fucking funny. I will, I will. <laughs> I will drop it on it. Since you gave me the skip list, I will drop in a couple episodes here and there and see just how it compares to one watching it not nearly as much in a row um, with a little bit of dosage on it. But yes, we will get a sports night update uh, in our Sorkin Street. In the Christmas episode, when they talk about Maureen, the dresser, she actually was the dresser for Sports Night, and most of the names that Casey and Dan read off are the people who worked on the real show, not just oh, the fictional show nice. inside of it. Um, I love the studio guys who basically never get lines and uh, like they get, they're basically just there to be joke machines, which I, which yes. I love. Yeah. The um, tap, tap back and forth, either they disagree with yes, something or yes, they both agree on yes. something and someone else disagrees yes. on them. Yeah. Yes. Or, 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 um, what do you like, what do you think should be the, the, the play of the year? It's like, you know, it's like, it's like hockey, uh, Cal Ripken ending his streak, something else. And it's like, yeah, well, this is a waste of time. Yeah. Oh yeah, Exactly. Um, Kayla's great. Kayla's the, I believe the Asian, the Asian lady who's also a producer. Um, she doesn't get a lot to do, but I, I appreciate that she's in there. Um, second season has a thing about where Jeremy's dating a porn star, which is handled with as much grace as you would expect. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just really like this show. It's just, it's just, it's just, it feels, it's like comfort food for me. Yeah. I would say I would, if you like Sorkin and you haven't watched it, I would recommend you watch it. Cause I think it is very strong Sorkin material um within within it again the sportsness is i have struggled with that yeah so yeah uh next up we are gonna watch 2014's steve jobs okay i'm very interested i listened to the blank check episode on this but i don't mm -hmm. feel like it it wasn't enough of a discussion where I felt like, oh, I, I know what this film is. I'm very I mean, curious because it seemed like a lot of discussion was about how people didn't know what this film was and misunderstood it. Yeah. I mean, I will say I will say that that's the kind of movie, I think Social Network is the same thing, where even if you describe the plot beats, it's not really hinging on surprises yes. or anything. It's, 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 these it's, are things about, that happened in, in yeah. history. <laughs> but also, it's just about the dialogue. It's about it's about how the characters talk to and interact with one another that, that is really what Sorkin is bringing to it. And it's hard to spoil that, I think. Yes, and it has 
Detective Harry Hole playing Steve Jobs. And so I'm very interested uh, as much as we we cancel Fassbender uh, in real life. Uh, I will. Wait, he's, really? Uh, he's domestic violence guy. Yeah, Ooh. not not great. Harry Hole, how could you let us down? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I am interested uh, to see this performance uh, in here. Yeah, I, I, Steve Jobs. I'm not an Apple person, so I don't have uh, uh, any. I don't have any reverence in him in terms of as a tech guy, culture guy, that sort of thing. I with while also recognizing him being the head of a company that did do a lot of product. You know, it's like his engineers did this stuff. You know, these were things that he he did stamp and approve. But uh, like a lot of billionaires, his his shortcomings uh, became apparent, especially toward the end of his life. Um, just in terms of how he chose to not treat his cancer, uh, in the end. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just curious what eras it covers. That's the one thing that I didn't quite get from the Blank Check episode. There are a couple specific things mentioned, but I, I don't mm-hmm. know quite how far this spans and, and where it begins it's, and ends. It's, a, it's about three different moments in his life. Um, I think it's him, him promoting something promote like something with apple then he gets fired and so then it's him presenting the next cube i think which is the thing that gets him brought back to apple and then it's him i think presenting the iphone is the third one okay uh, then i'm yeah i'm very interested because i actually recently read up on the cube uh as well as a couple apple things that i didn't i think before the blank check episode came out um, maybe I knew that it was going to be on the docket and just happened to look them up. But the it mm-hmm. was mostly, yeah, the the next cube. I I remember it being a punchline, but I, I never actually looked up what it was. And I, I was like, oh, gosh, like this had like really high end hardware, but it was just so ridiculously expensive uh, mm-hmm. that it was really used by developers and designers and yeah. academics. Yeah, it wasn't it a wasn't lot. a consumer. It wasn't a consumer product. Yes. It wasn't I don't think it was I don't know that it was intended to be a consumer product. I might be wrong about that. I don't think it was, but again, it was like, oh, here's the next revolution and it's something that's not a consumer product, you know. I think yeah. that's sort of maybe the 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 bit of the attitude that may and that's I'd be interested to see if that plays into this, if that's people's attitude mm-hmm. toward it is that it just wasn't semi consumer, which is why the, you know the third beat is the the iPod, which is you know the most consumer, you know oriented yeah. thing ever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm curious. I I haven't seen it either. I. The fact that it is was written by Sorkin is always kind of. I've wondered, but also I think like again. So what happens is Social Network comes out 2010. Great, everyone's into it. Newsroom starts is immediately bad. Just, just unwatchable bad, and so that's really when I hopped off the Sorkin train myself, mm-hmm. and and um, and thus I didn't feel super compelled to go see Steve Jobs. I didn't. I have never seen um, um, Trial of Magnificent Seven or um, Being the Ricardos because that fucking looks awful, or, or um, the other one, the other stuff he's done, since, the other stuff he's done since then. And so I'm curious to see like. How I how I what I think about it. Sports night has not derailed my desire to be on the Sorkin streak, which is very good. Yeah, so far nothing we've seen, even as much of the question of will I rewatch it or not, is different answers. None of it so far has destabilized me, and again has revealed to me the different reasons why Sorkin does work for me, doesn't work for me, and why he 
does and doesn't work for other people. Like I'm also noticing, oh, I can see why some of this writing would turn off uh, maybe a more mainstream audience, but how we would also find success with um, enough people to be, you know, renewed and and all that. I I know we'll be stopping at the West Wing at some point. I'm very curious um, to uh, approach that and see what is universally regarded as his, some of his best work. I'm afraid to go to the West Wing. I honestly don't know how you get... I don't know what you're going to think about it. Like, this reaction to Sports Night especially... I mean, I think, given the things you talked about not liking... The reasons why you didn't like it, I don't think that is, like... There's there's romance, but it's not a big... It is not a big focus in West Wing. At least at least the parts that I would make you watch. Um, I think there's something... Yeah, I don't know. I think there's an element within this that you are maybe not factoring in the West Wing is alt history and I'm a big fan of alt history and so or shows that have politics even if it's like very tangential and contemporary and presentation if it ever starts with like here's our fictional president list or our fictional politician list and it starts here I kind of have a buy-in because I am so clued into real world politics and history and stuff like that, that I find how that is approached interesting. So I really think, and I know this is the show that ruined America and ruined the world because it made everyone yeah. think that arguments would deal with it all. But I think I'm just gonna be very interested in in seeing this. I, I, I actually have very optimistic hopes for the West Wing because I think the subject matter will pull me in. You know, maybe it won't be like my favorite thing of his that he's written. No, um, no. I, I Based on what you think... just said, you're going to fucking love it. You're going to fucking okay, love it. Okay, good. Yeah. I, it's been a show that has been recommended to me for a long, long time. I just, because it is such a, oh, what would be the word? Uh, just a colossal watch in terms of just how much there is of it out there i just never felt like it was something i was ready to tackle um but for not a hate watch you know especially during the sorkin street where the definition of a hate watch is being you know a little more loosened uh definition for for sorkin in in general we, ha- um, we haven't gotten to being the ricardos yet it, it will be a hate oh, but that's the one the i'm co- looking we'll forward be on to the, the bubble most. we're gonna be on the bubble that's the one where i'm looking forward to the most like because i want it i want to i like seeing a, a disaster happen i love watching it play out and just seeing how bad it can be and going oh no this gets worse yes yeah but that but so next week steve jobs and 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 yeah we'll we will see where we land after that and as we say at the end of every hate watch, Dustfist has left the building. If you hear ticking, run for your lives. Okay, good show, everybody. As we always say to end the show, I'm I'm Alice alongside Missy Information. You are listening to It's Not a Hate Watch on Girls Have Fire, so stick around. <laughs>